welcome everybody to the In the Dome podcast. podcast. Sponsored, podcast. sponsored by sponsored the Fan by, 960. Sponsored by NW. <laughs> Are we allowed to do that? What do you mean? Make up shit like that? Oh, of course. Do whatever the hell we want. Do whatever we want. What do we have to impress? Sponsored by Milan Lucic's Hunchback. The Hunch. <laughs> I got a hunch that he might score again tonight. Okay, so what's going on? Because Milan Lucic, Zach Ronaldo, Tobias Reeder are like our best players now. Well, Johnny Gaudreau is looking pretty good again. Johnny looked great. Okay, so here okay, we so are. Today we're going to wrap up what happened over the weekend. It's Monday. Monday. December what? 9th. December 9th. It's 4 p.m. So we're like three hours from puck drop in Colorado. So most likely you're listening to this after the Colorado game. So just know. Unless you're it's a loser a re- and a big keener and have no life and no friends and nothing to do. And you're listening to it before like I'm going to do. <sighs> Me too. Guess that makes two of us. <laughs> so this will be a recap of the LA game. Oh. <laughs> would, you like some, game? would you like some ranch fries with that, sir? Isn't that the guy from Simpsons? Would you like some french fries? Is that That's the guy from Simpsons, right? I was thinking of Mr. Poopy Butthole from Rick and Morty. <laughs> Poopy Butthole? <laughs> you gotta watch Rick and Morty. Ooh-wee! All right. Yeah, that's gotta be the best name ever. So we were at the game, both of us. And yes. it's it's interesting because which is the reason why we want to we want to break down this LA game because it is interesting because I we, how many games a year do you go to probably I go to usually between ten and twenty probably like fifteen a year maybe ten closer to ten yeah I'm usually around ten I was I was there a lot last I'd say between eight and twelve I probably went to like fifteen twenty games last year like and, well yeah same with me because yeah. I went to all three playoff games yeah so when you're at the game it always is kind of a good. I think it's like a good refresher and like a good reminder of what's actually going on. And it like opens your eyes a little more. How did you put it? Well, especially, okay, I can't remember the last time I sat, sat in the, the first bowl. Yeah. And I sat in the first bowl, row six. I went with my dad. We got late last minute tickets. And he was at a game row four, like a month ago. Uh-huh. So I'm like, dad, row four or row six? He's like, let's go row six. Switch it up. Four is a little too close. You don't want to be that close. Because when you're sitting at ice level, depending on where you're sitting, there's going to be some areas of the rink you can't see. Well, that's what's great about the second bowl. The best seats in the entire building are right behind the camp TV cameras. It's literally the best. You're right on center ice. You have perfect viewpoint. Actually, you know what? I sat in 219, which is behind the Flames, the attack zone. We sat there a couple weeks ago. It is that's a good place to sit. See, I always see everything. My favorite spot to sit. Is along the goal line, ideally on the Flames attack end twice. Yeah, that's a good place to be. You see a lot more there, I find. Plus, you see what, I mean, the, the best you part. You see what the other, part, the other team sees, too. And then you see the best part of the game, which is the goals. Yeah. Anyhow. So, so anyways, yeah, I'm sitting on ice level. Row six, and my God, is that close? So, the difference is, when you start to elevate and go higher. The farther away. You get more of the bird's eye view. It's kind of like what you see on television. Oh my god, how come we never saw that play? What an idiot! When you're on ice level, you're like, holy shit, there's no room out there. And the game looks so much more fast. Like when you're at ice level, you really appreciate how fast the game is. It it, it like the game speeds up almost twice as fast. Oh yeah. 
and you can see what the players see too. You can see like you gotta make a split second decision when somebody's coming at you. Yeah, there's there's like no time. There's yeah. no time to think. Zero time. And so, but this is the thing: is the guy, the best players, they know what they're doing before they get the puck. Like you, you think Johnny Gaudreau when he's, he's mental processing, he doesn't already know what he wants to do when he's about to get the puck. Yes. He already knows what he's about to do. What about Hannafin? Okay, does well, he know? We can go through some of the players that stood okay, out. Okay, let's let's just go through the game as a whole. So, um, first period, two tough goals. I I thought I thought Cam Talbot should have had at least one of them. And I, I w- and I was sitting to Talbot's right. Yeah. So yeah, I was right there for both those. Like I mean, I I don't mind like like he was screened like on both of them pretty tough. Yeah. But to, yeah, and they're both good shots. They're both pretty good shots, but I feel like he probably should have had. If he if he if he lets the first one in, he should have had the second one. Yeah, and the thing is, like I remember, we were down two nothing, because that was about there's five minutes left in the period. I'm like, oh god, Dowdy, and I had to watch. I was sitting, yeah. right, I was sitting right there. I had to watch Dowdy celebrate with the Kings fans, like twenty people over for me. And then I I look up at the clock. I'm like, man, we're like we're, we're playing a pretty decent game. Yeah, we were out shooting them. I think the shots were like nine to four. So yeah. he had. Two goals allowed on four shots. Yeah, and so I think I was I was gonna text you, although I ran out of data. That <laughs> then he, your phone died. His save percentage right now is point five zero zero. So you kind of look at that and you say, well, that's the difference in the game so far. Yeah, is that we've been we've been having good shots. We're getting good opportunities. We're kind of taking most of the play. You take away those two power play goals. Well, yeah, the Flames dominated for the most part and had the possessional advantage in the first period big yeah. time. So. so I think more than anything, like it's okay if that happens mm-hmm. because you can adjust throughout the game. But then the question was like, well, how good is it going to be for the rest of the game? Yeah, see, that, that I was just like a little nervous the rest of the game. I was like, every shot, I was like, ooh. Yeah, I was like that until about the third period when it's kind of like, okay, he's not going to let in a second. But he, he made some really good saves in the third, especially that glove save. Yeah, later in the game, so he was he was fine after that. Okay, but then Milan Lucic with a huge power play goal. Well, I even said to my dad, I'm like, shit, they got to get one before the period's out. Yeah, absolutely. Because you see what happens in games. Like, there's so many little mini moments or mini games within each game, and that was one of those examples where if you're down two nothing on, in a game where you probably shouldn't be, ideally. You get one back before the end of the period. Yeah, because, that's huge. Because the last thing you want to do is just kind of have zero momentum going into the next period. Yeah, exactly. When you probably should have a better outcome than being down by two. Yeah. So that was a huge goal, and they needed a huge goal. Yeah, it was huge. And, okay, we were talking about this on Friday, and we were like, what is with this obsession with Lucic? Why does everybody love him? Literally, I haven't heard the... I was going nuts. Yeah. Like the dome was crazy when he when he scored that goal. A, it was a sweet goal. Okay, well he scored on your end. Yeah, it was sweet. It was un. It was like he made a really good play because it was a quick little quick pass from Backlund. Yeah. I don't know if Backlund meant to pass it to him. It kind of looked like he was just trying to redirect it on net. But no, he meant. He had to be. Re- <laughs> no, he meant, Jerry. No, seriously, <laughs> I've seen the replay enough times. I'm like, shit. He had to be really quick because he had to. First of all, he he made a great play to just kind of like find a soft spot. The pass, the pass wasn't very good, but Backlund did try to get it to Lucci. Yeah, it looks like he was trying to direct it somewhere, but it wasn't a great pass. But I mean, for a guy who's everybody criticizes his lack of hands, he made a great play. 
And right? the dome was loud after he scored. And I mean, God, was that first power play unit completely ineffective. All game? Boy, that was frustrating to watch. So that's going to be interesting watching tonight because a team like Colorado, you need to get power play goals. You like you need oh, to yeah. capitalize on opportunities. Because they're going to crush you five on five probably. And you can't take nine penalties against yeah. Colorado. Well, the thing that was so weird, because I, I, everybody knows I, I bitch and moan about the power play all the time. But it's like what what I watched on Saturday night was, for some reason, they seemed to over... Because everybody knows they want Gaudreau to carry the puck in over the line. Because he's really good at it. And he's the guy who brings the puck in. But it seems like the Flames are like overcomplicating it because they know that Gaudreau is going to get stood up and probably double teamed at the line. That they like overcomplicate it. So instead of him just passing it to Lindholm and Lindholm carried it in, they do all these weird plays where it's like... Gaudreau to Lindholm, back to Gaudreau, then he like drops it right at the blue line. It's like way too complex of a break-in, I think. Yeah. And that's where they get into trouble. They couldn't even break into the zone. So it's just like, have Gaudreau carry it to the blue line, pass to Lindholm, Lindholm carries it in. Boom, in. But it got way overcomplicated. It was driving me nuts. Yeah. I mean, if, and if you're looking at, well, just, I guess, real quickly, I mean, most people will be listening to this after the Colorado game, so it'll be interesting to look at it in retrospect, but... I think keys tonight is going to be special teams. Oh yeah, because you know your five on five play. You'll prop. My guess is we'll probably will probably have the edge on five five on five play tonight. We're a better five on five team because we have more depth. Yeah. Um. So I think special teams will be huge. Um. Reducing. Okay. First and foremost is reducing the amount of power plays you give up. Oh jeez. Like we got to stay out of the box. No kidding. Well, it was against Buffalo. You. you Took eight penalties. Like, so. imagine taking eight penalties against Colorado. Oh, man. You'd there's be, there's you'd no be way screwed. you're winning that game. Did we take three against the Kings? I'm just trying to pull it up here. Um, I think we took three. I think they, they went, like, one for three. And that was the other thing is you... you oh, wow. They went two for three. So they did record that second goal as a power play goal. Yeah. So gave up two power play goals, so... Yeah. So, and then the, on the other hand is, like, your power play needs to at least get... Like, if you have at least three chances tonight, you need to at least score one power play goal. It, enough is enough with this power play not being effective. Like yep. it has, because again, like we've said before, it's starting to lose you games when you can't score on it. Because, well, look at the LA game. Like you, you played pretty good five on five for the most part. But if you don't get that power play goal, you don't win. Hundred percent. And they lost the special teams battle. Like LA had two power play goals. Calgary had one. Yeah. So you got it. Like at some point, this has to get figured out. Yeah. Okay. I was a quick segue. Let's get back to Lucic. Okay. Now, from where I was sitting, and I was saying this before, it's a bit of a, a give and take when you sit down low because you don't really get to see in detail what's happening on the far end. Yeah, you can kind of see, you know, the massive bodies moving around and stuff. And I guess a good way to put this is if you're sitting at the ice level, it's it's kind of like I don't know. I'm picturing if you're in kind of a gladiator ring where you have all those little obstacles in front of you, so you can't see fully like these are big bodies out there oh yeah so even if you're just like a d-man breaking out of your own end and there's nine other bodies from you into between the other end like you're not going to see a lot of the ice especially if you guys coming at you and whatever whatnot so i mean trying to trying to see luchy's goal through the mass of bodies is not easy to do when you yeah. sit on the other end but obviously you try and follow the play as much as you can and then you kind of look up and realize oh shit that was luchy that buried that it was awesome and like if he can do if he can 
if he can i've been i've specifically been like why do they have lucic on the power play if he's on power play two and he can chip in with the occasional goal i mean he can't ask for much more from the guy so he was good and he well how the one thing is though when i when i go to games it's like i reminded how slow he is so he's so slow but he was good despite the fact he's really slow but how great is that that he gets goals in back to back back games well steinberg said on the fan it's the first time he's had goals in consecutive games since 2017 April of 2017, so it's been two years, and I actually thought it would have been longer, but... Yeah, I was going to guess. If he can get rolling, oh man. Okay, so second period, probably the goal of the night. Well, I don't know. Well, here's the thing. Before the second period started, in intermission, if you look at how the first period went, it's like, Kate, you already played with fire too much. Yeah. You can't fuck around at all in the second period. Yeah. So, like, you need to be... Hands down, the better team in the second period. I think I even tweeted to somebody, we have to dominate this second period. And you texted it to me, actually. I texted that to you. Yep. Because then you can take back control of the game. Like, yeah. that's your that's your goal for the second period is to... You don't even necessarily have to get up. Ideally, you tie it up, but you need to dominate in order to take back control. Yeah. And they did. Without a, without a doubt, that's what they did. And my God, was I... You were pumped for the Ronaldo was, goal. You know how big of a treat it was to see those two goals, both Ronaldo and Monaghan, from where I was sitting? I was, like, right there. Well, Dylan, credit to Dylan Dubé on the Zach Ronaldo goal. That's a great pass. And, I mean, credit to Zach Ronaldo. I didn't think that was him that scored it. I thought it was Reader because... That was a hell of a That finish. was a great play. And I didn't even really know Zach Ronaldo had that kind of skill. I don't know, like... That's skill. That was a hell of a play. So to well, get a guy like that scoring a goal like that was pretty sweet. And I mean, credit to all of them because Dubé brought that puck in. He didn't dump it. No, nope. didn't dump and chase. Didn't dump and chase. Carried the puck in. How much dump and chasing did you see last on Saturday? Not about as much as the night before. Yep. So hopefully that trend continues. Nope. I mean, imagine Johnny instead of deking through the whole team gets the red line and dumps it in. Right. We'll probably lose the game. All imagine Dubé doesn't carry that in and follow it up. Right, so Dubé brings it in. He runs out of room, so he kind of chips it behind the defenseman. They start a little bit of cycle going. Great play by Reader. I gotta say, I'm I, I'm liking Tobias Reader a little more. You know what? In the past five to eight games, he's been good. Same with me. God damn, is he fast? Yeah. As in as much as I'm reminded of how slow Lucic is when I see him play live, I'm reminded of how goddamn fast Reader is. Jesus. Yeah, he's quick. He's so fast. So great play by Reader to find. Dubé in the high slot. Dubé quick chip down to Ronaldo coming out from behind the net. Great for Ronaldo because he he knew what he was doing. As soon as he got that puck, he was like, this is going. You knew it. I was like, holy shit. Great yeah. drive to the net there. That's the thing. And like I was saying earlier, when the game moves that quick, you need to know what you're going to do before the puck hits your stick. Yeah. It's like you need to anticipate. First of all, okay, Dubé is going to get the puck. He might get it to me if he does. Like, you have to make that decision in a fraction of a second. Oh, yeah. And he knew what he was going to do, like you said. And he fucking buried. Got a boy, Zach. Got a boy, Zach. So, then it's 2-2. Crowd's feeling good. You can tell momentum starting to shift. Yeah. And then, it was only, what, like four or five well, minutes later? You said this to me. It was like, that's... I think that happened in the... Bu- yes. It was very similar to the Buffalo game, where it's like, okay, they're up 2-1, and then, bang, they were up 3-1. Yeah. This was kind of like a similar feeling with Monahan's goal. And by this time, you start to see Johnny has some jump. Yeah. And, I mean... I don't know if it's like this every night, but I feel like we were mega treated by getting to see Johnny do what he did 
like right there. Well, all year he, I haven't seen him put together a rush like that for pretty much outside of the first five games. Like he's looked, I don't know if he's looked slow, but he's just looked. It's not even that he's looked. He's been off. He's been every time he's even tried that, he's bobbling pucks at the blue line. Yeah, I don't know. So like that was vintage you could draw right there. And I mean credit to him because if you watch the replay, he takes about three or four hacks right on his hands. And then he gets buried after he makes the pass and the goal is in. Like, the guy takes so much abuse, it's ridiculous. Well, let me break down from you what I saw because okay. he came down bearing right towards us. Yeah. And you see Johnny picked it up at his own end. And this is already when he's he's done a few things where you're like, ooh, Johnny's looking good tonight. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he goes around one guy. He's coming down the ice straight towards you. And like I, like I tried to describe earlier, from my viewpoint, between me and Johnny, there's like four other guys. Four other big LA King guys. Oh, yeah. So it's like he gets around another one. You're like, holy shit. Here he comes. Comes around another one. Holy shit. Now it's just like two guys. Goes around another one. Now he he breaks wide around the D-man. I'm like, wow. Before anything even transpired, I'm like, wow, what a rush. Too bad he's running out of fucking... He's running out of room. As Peter Labarde used to say, he's ran out of real estate. Exactly. And then as soon as I complete that thought, it's in the back of the net. And I even, my dad and I were just, like, it's one thing to see that goal from television angle or even from where you were sitting yeah. because you can see it happening and transpiring. But to, to really experience that at ice level and see it transpire on a moment-to-moment basis, yeah, because, like, he's reacting and acting and reacting in, like, in these split seconds. Well, and it was, that's Monahan and Gaudreau at their best. Yeah. Like, oh, 100%. That, because if that you look at where Sean Monaghan comes from to get to that little soft spot, that like two inches that's open, it's like yes. he, that guy knows where to go to score Well, there's, there's two plays in one there. Yeah. The first play is Goudreau, and then finding him. Like I even said to my dad, I'm like, holy shit. Does like, he have the eyes in the back of his head? Right. Like he was coming full tilt. That's about as fast as Johnny goes. Mm-hmm. Weaving and bobbing through guys. Like how does he, how does he even know... Monahan's gonna be there. I mean, I saw him peek over his shoulder the last split second, but you, I don't know. And then yeah, the other thing is Monahan's play. You go back and watch that, and he had like two guys on him in the high slot. Yeah. And then he kind of shook shook one off. Yeah. Just had one left, and he pushes him off at the last second. It's a split second where you're open, bang, in the back of the net. Well, that's why it's kind of funny when it's like when when these guys are sucking and everyone's like, oh, trade Monahan and Goodrow. It's like you forget. How, like, I, I posted, this, even even still right now, even Johnny's struggle this season, he's one of the top leaders in slot uh, com- slot pass completions this year. Yeah. Like, he's still generating so much. So it's like, you forget that these guys, when they go through a slump, you forget how good they are. But, I mean, even that stat alone does speak to how good he really is. When he's playing, arguably, his worst hockey we've seen in, yeah. in three years. He's still one of the best three to five years. years. Yeah. But so. you're right. Like that play wraps up Johnny and Monty in the tandem that they are in a nutshell. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully, that gets them going. Like, because that's the mo- that's the that's the most well, confident I've seen Gaudreau carry the puck all year. I would I would go on. A, maybe I'm not going on a limb, but I think they are going now. Yeah, and I mean, like I was even looking at like Gaudreau is up to 17 assists. So like he's still he's not like 
you know, lagging that as far behind as you might think based on yeah. the narrative around the team this like year. Like if he strings together a few multi-point games, yeah. sprinkling and a couple... And you know like, Monaghan's going to get on a streak here. Sprinkling a couple three or four-point games. Now he's like right where he was. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be... So I, I think that's the most encouraging thing. I know everybody, the Ronaldo goes sweet, Lucci's goal is great, but the most encouraging thing is that we saw Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan do what they do best. And I really thought, and that's why I'm a little confused tonight because they have... They have Gaudreau, and you like this. So they have Gaudreau starting on the Lucic line again tonight. But I thought that was the key adjustment made by Jeff Ward because early on in the game, Gaudreau was playing on the Lucic Ryan line, and they had Dubé with Monaghan and Backlund. And I, I don't know. I was just watching. I, I, I didn't really like a lot of what I was seeing. I didn't like how Gaudreau. I don't know. He wasn't getting enough ice, and I just don't like him not playing with Monaghan because I saw him set Lucic up a couple times in the slot. Lucic was nowhere near where he needed to be. So I thought moving Johnny to Monaghan's line was the adjustment that needed to be made and then one of the adjustments that made the difference in the game. So I'm curious to see how that plays out tonight. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting evolution. You know that Jeff Ward has a game plan, which because for two nights in a row now, he started with Goudreau on the third line but ended up playing with Monty again. Yeah. So... You know that's part of his game plan. I would expect the same tonight. Yeah, he's gonna start with that. The reason why I like it is because it's working. No, I yeah, I'm fine with it. I'm is a big it? proponent of like, hey, if it's working and you're winning games and, and they're getting points, don't change. Right? Yeah. No, I agree with that. And I don't even mind it if it's because I don't mind it if it's like an adjustment thing. If it's a switch, it's like he takes the occasional shift with the Lucci's line to get a better matchup. Yeah. I don't mind it if it's like that. It's just or used to Glenn Galton and Bill Peters where it's like. Well, and that's, I think, the key. Because if you look at why we harp on Glenn Galton so much is because part of that style of play that was so frustrating was it was so predictable. You knew what to expect on a nightly basis. Yeah. And Bill Peters, at the end of his run, was looking. the team was looking the same way. Yeah. It was like you kind of knew, knew that nothing was going to happen. It was going to fizzle out. So I think it's too soon to go back to the old lines. No, I agree. Because that might just... Bring back that whole like stagnated type of type of thing we were dealing with. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think long term, like I don't, I don't know what Jeff's plan is, but I think long term you do. I don't know, like those lines, because the line that I still really liked the most was the Backlund Monahan Gaudreau combination. The Lindholm Chuck Mangiapane line was pretty quiet. They didn't really do much, which tells me that we should probably expect something from him in, the, in this two gate next I game hope so up. but I mean that I think that's what's that's what makes it dangerous because I remember we were talking about this maybe yeah. four weeks ago it's like if you can find a way to have a Lindholm and Chuck be a threat and give Johnny and Monty easier mashup matchups and kind of have them as a second wave and take less competition like that opens up a whole new world and I think maybe hopefully we're kind of starting to see that because it's like yeah. when when you can throw a Lindholm and Chuck and Mange, and then follow that up with Gaudreau and Monaghan, and I get Backlund on that line, like, I think you saw some of the, well, the Kings aren't a particularly deep team, but you saw some line matchups get exposed on Saturday night. Well, and you gotta think it's the same thing right now with what you're seeing with Johnny on the third line. Yeah. It's like, if you're if you're a coach on an opposing team, what do you, how are you even preparing for this? No, I don't like, know. who are you supposed to key in on? Because there's no way you're putting out one of your top checking lines against a line that has Milan Lucic on it, right? Like, why would you do that? Well, because he got Johnny Gaudreau on it. Exactly. So I don't know. It's it's like, because then if you key on just on the third, that's your third line. Yeah. You're going to match up against the third line, but it has Johnny, so you kind of, you have to take it seriously. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. And I'm going to be curious because I think this is the first time these lines have been, correct me if I'm wrong, rolled out on the road. 
right? Yep. Because, yeah. Some two home games. Yeah, yeah, two home games, uh, Buffalo and L.A. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how Other much, teams? because we know Bill Peters was quite obsessive with matchups, especially against the Avalanche last year. He always wanted to back Lincoln Kachuk for a league line against the Avs. Like, yeah. To, to, to a detrimental extent, I thought, last year. So I'm curious to see to what extent Jeff Ward kind of like wants to get specific matchups tonight, or if he just rolls four lines, because that's what he said he wants to do. He wants to roll four lines. Well, if you look and at And we've seen him do that sometimes maybe a little bit too much, like you saw the Jankowski line get out against the Eichel line a couple times against Buffalo. Yeah. But the way that Reader's playing right now and the defensive prowess of Freleek, even though he takes really bad penalties... Yeah. Well, and Jankowski's a pretty good defensive player, too. If I'm going into tonight's game and we are rolling and it seems like everybody's starting to, to kind of jive together, I might be pretty comfortable yeah. for the most part. No, I'm not a big matchups guy. I don't, I don't know. Even Sometimes if, it has plays a role, but... Have you pulled up the Colorado lines? Do we know if they have the big three together? Well, no. They actually have Donskoy playing with McKinnon and Ranson in, which is still like a frightening line. Like, yeah. Jesus. And then they've got Confer between Landis Cog and someone else. Okay. So that'll be interesting to see. Oh, no. They've switched it up. The big three are together. So the big three are together today. Which, I mean, why would you go... Like, that line it, crushed the Flames last year. Well, so. and it sounds like um, Caudry's out. With an injury? Yeah. So that's probably good. The Avs are a bit banged up right now, I guess. Is Cole in the lineup? Uh, Cole is not in the lineup. We have Grubauer's hurt, so Macar- you're... Oh, Cole is in tonight, I guess. Makar and Grubauer are the two main ones right now. And Kadri. So they're banged up. And Eric Johnson. And we say they're banged up, but they still have... They're the banged be- up and they the still have the best line in hockey. Oh, absolutely. Intact. So this is going to be a tough matchup. Okay, so we'll finish up on the LA game here. So then the the Dylan Dubé goal. How about that? Because well, yeah. That that's the that's why I don't know. I Dubé with why has this guy been in the minors? Well, I've been saying I've probably said this three times to you today. How dumb is Bill Peters? (laughs) Really dumb. And I mean, part of that stupidity has to come back to tree living as well. That Dylan Dubé, since last year, apparently... When he was your best player in the, in the preseason last year as well, dude has three goals since he's been called up. Three goals in, like, what, two weeks? Like, how do you... Is there... I think he's made a pretty solid case for himself that there's no way he's going down over Jane Kelsey. If he ever spends another second in the AHL, this team is an absolute... Like, this management team doesn't know what they're doing. And I keep hearing like guys in the 960s say, oh, Dylan Dubé needs to show he belongs. It's like, okay, he's only been one of your best players and has three goals since he's been called up. I don't know what else he can do. Well, and the thing is, like, just watch him. He's so smart. Oh, he's incredibly he smart. He drives play. Yeah, totally. And I think that's why that line's so successful because for all the shit Lucic gets, and me included, he is a smart player. Yep. He knows how to manage the puck well. He knows true. he can make good plays. Yep. So that line has three of probably the smartest guys on the ice when you got Lucic, Dubé, and Derek Ryan. Yeah, underestimatedly smart, those three. Yeah, for sure. So I think that, that that's probably the best the third line has looked in a, a really long time, especially when it was so bad last year. So Yeah, yeah. and what I, I love... I love Dylan Dubé. Well, you know me. You've been calling for it for before me. Since he's, last year, You've every day, why isn't Dubé up? He's my lover boy. Yeah. So he... Man, if, Dubé is to me what Maj is to you. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm starting to come around on the Dubé, Dubé train, baby. I, I wouldn't mind, like, maybe put Maj in that third line, bumped, and then put Johnny up with 
Kachuk and Lindholm or something. I don't know. There's lots of options now. There is. It's kind of interesting because you, I was listening to the podcast from Friday and you were like, when Bill Peters was around, we were like, oh, we've seen every iteration of the line combinations. And yeah. then Jeff Ward comes in day one and it's like, whoa, wow, okay, those are weird. Right. And now it's like, okay, well, what if you tried this? You can try this. You can move this around. There's just infinite possibilities right now, it seems. And again, maybe it's just new coach, coach bias and we've won four straight and we're just gushing, but who knows. Anyways, all in all, a pretty a pretty good game. I thought they were, like, I mean, they, they lost the possession battle overall, but I mean. Well, and that was the other thing we talked about exact today. Exact reverse of, of most games this year under Bill Peters. They lost the possession battle, but they won the high danger chances for wow. and the expected goals battle. If you're looking at the heat map. Yeah, and so the Flames have been prioritizing getting quality over quantity lately, which. I'll take that. Yes, please. Yeah, I'll take that. Because if you remember on Glenn Galton, it was just shoot everything. And that's the other thing I was saying to you today was we, to like being at the game, witnessing the game, it's like we deserve to win that game. That was it. And even the Buffalo game. Whereas before that, when, you're, when we were transitioning out of that slump, we were winning games. We're like, boy, we sure didn't actually deserve to win that game. Yeah. We're, we're lucky to scratch out a win. Yeah. But the last two, we have deserved to win. And that's been a real telling sign for me that, you know what, this, this the pendulum is starting to swing here, which is yeah, good. Totally. And then I look at, well, you know what? It was a close game all in all. LA even pushed a little bit at the end. And it, I don't know. There's part of me, it's like, you're playing LA. It's the worst team in the league. They're coming off the second half of a back-to-back. Should we not have beat them more? But then you kind of look at, well, the early storyline was two goals on four shots. LA always seems to kind of get up for us. But I think LA actually played a good game. Yeah, they, they were good. I mean, give them credit. They were pretty good. And again, like in, in this NHL, like look at the standings. There's no bad teams, man. There's like, well, well Detroit. Jersey's pretty bad, and too. New Jersey. But I mean, outside of those two teams, like, I mean, it's pretty competitive. Like the Kings have won 11 games this year. They've only, lo- they've only won four less games than us. So it's not like there's dog shit team that's so terrible. So. Yeah. And Kopitar was was he was looking good. Oh, well, Doughty, you know Doughty. Doughty, well, Doughty will play his best games of the season. Yeah, totally. Those. So, yeah. count you take the win. It's see, this is what we've been saying for a while. It's like there's not going to be any turning point. You just have to start banking some points, and they're starting to do that. So as of today, they played 31 games. They have 34 points. That's tied with the Canucks, one behind the Golden Knights. Um, still six behind the Yotes and the Oilers. So they got work. You still got a lot of work to do. Still got some work to do. So you so, gotta keep it up. Yeah. All right. One other thing is the defensive side of the game. I got to sit two ends on the defensive end. All in all, I feel like Hannafin played one of his better games. He was less noticeable in a good way on Saturday. Yeah. Even though when I'm sitting there right behind him, I'm like, okay, the obvious play is this option A over here, and he goes with option B. He just has, like, no hockey sense. I think, well, it's not that he doesn't have no hockey sense, but his hockey sense... I would maybe rate it a 3.8 out of 5. It's way down there. And that's, to me, if you're a defenseman... Who's making $5 million a year. Like, you you at least better be really physical, like stone. Or you have some sort of asset. I mean, he he does have good puck movement. He can skate. He can skate and move the puck with speed. He can move it with speed, but he he doesn't move it to the places where it needs to go, generally. And the most concerning thing about that is, for the most part, hockey sense cannot be taught. That's either you have it or you don't. Like, you're not going to get that later on. I'm sure he'll get to understand the kind of ebbs and flows of the games better. So maybe 
over time longer in his career as he does age there's room for improvement in that aspect like he he might just learn okay i just need to simplify yeah all right as soon as he starts trying to do too much yeah i mean even i mean hamannick had a better game as well they were both okay but but the two of them there was a few shifts i was just like that could have this whole being stuck in your end could have been negated a minute ago if you just made the simple play up the boards exactly so uh, conversely, I was incredibly impressed with watching Rasmus Anderson play last night. It was the I think it's the first game I've been to this year where he has played on the top pairing. Boy, he's underrated. He's our, is he our best defenseman? I think defensively speaking, defensively sound, yes. He doesn't make any mistakes. Well, like he, he didn't make one mistake. Yeah. He makes plays that are incredibly difficult, looking incredibly easy. He's just so solid. Yeah, he's just—he's a great player. I was nothing but impressed with him, and just some possession metrics. Like he was incredibly solid: fifty-seven point one four Corsi four percentage, thirteen or thirteen point one eight Corsi relative. Like he was great when when he was on the ice. The Flames had sixteen shot attempts for. Like he was great. Yeah, he, he was. was great, and it was cool. I was watching your, um, or I was looking look at your story after the game because if you guys don't know, Michael does all the Instagram stuff. I knew uh, most of it. You do all the Twitter stuff. Yeah. Sometimes we pollinate. Well, it's like 98%. It's like any argument you see on Twitter is generally me jumping on. Right. <laughs> and anything nice on Instagram is gen- generally you jumping on. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember watching and you're like, you, I had the pretty much exact same synopsis. Hannafin had a better game, even though not perfect. And then Rasmus Anderson, my God. Like there was, there's a couple players. One specific guy I remember where the puck was kind of turned over in the neutral zone. He was coming back. Yeah. And he scooped it up. And just the way he handled the puck and, and made a play back up. Oh, my God. It, yeah, like, I know. He's just so good. It's, it's like, like, wow. And I really, I honestly, I got a deeper respect for him. Me too. And his ability to play hockey by watching him from where I was. It, yeah. Like, it was incredible. Boy, he was good. He was good. Anybody else who was stood out as good other than, like, the usual suspects? Um, I, I, it's kind of cool to see see Brody and his, his decision-makings. Yeah, he was um, good from that aspect of the ice as well. I don't, but. I don't like when they put him in stone, but he was, he was fine. Um, yeah, the Lindholm line was pretty quiet. They yep. had, an, they had a pretty good first. Like Kachuk had a few chances in the first. Lindholm was kind of throwing his weight around a bit in the first. He was kind of getting into I it with love some it guys. When he hits. I do too. I love that. Um, so yeah, they were a little quiet. Hopefully, they turn, they kind of, you know, make a little well, more noise tonight. This is like a string of games now where it's kind of like Matthew Kachuk, where are you, bud? You're yeah. Gonna, so is he going to start coming out of the weeds here? You come out of the woodwork because yeah. I mean, so usually when it gets to that point, he's about to have a big game. So yeah, for sure. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if tonight he and Limholm, and maybe even that 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 line with him and Monge and Machucky Monge and Lindholm, yeah, where they might steal the show tonight. Well, I hope so because that would really, if again, if you can get, because that's kind of been the weird thing about this season too. It's like it's only been like a when when a, one group of guys is going, the other group is like not going yeah. it's like the bottom six are either really good and the top six suck or it's the exact opposite it's like it'd be nice to be able to get some kind of consistency from line to line yeah well they they kind of did that last year but it was more balanced it was yeah. like it was like if the if the 3m line was going the johnny Monty might score a game a goal but yeah. they kind of take over okay so we've got we're gonna do, we're gonna quickly preview do you want to preview the the arizona game as well real quick because I feel like this is probably one of the toughest stretches of the year. You got yeah. four games this week. You got the Avs, who you can't seem to beat. You got the Yotes, who you lost to and are rolling. They're tied for first in the division. And you're, that's you got on the, the Leafs, second half of a back to back. Second half of a back to back. You got the Leafs, who, like, I mean, 
They've I been mean, pretty good under Keefe, and you get the Hurricanes, who are, you know, how I feel about the Hurricanes. Yeah. So, I think you definitely have... All, and they're all on the road? No, just these two are on the road. And then they're back Colorado, home. Arizona, back-to-back, and then they're back home for the Leafs. So, I mean, you probably need to get at least two points out of this road trip. Ideally, you get them tonight. Yeah. Because you got to beat the Avalanche. Yeah. So, I think if they can win tonight, I'm cool. Like, if, if you can get three out of four on this road trip, that's huge. Especially against... Because that's the other thing that's going to start being really important, is making up points against divisional opponents. Yeah. Including the Coyotes. So, tomorrow is a four-point game. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I agree. I you got to have at least two points in, the, in, these, in this quick road trip. Yeah. And then... But you want you want to try and get more, yeah. I, I honestly, the way, if you're rolling and things are going well, I don't even think you got you got to get both games. Well, I think especially these are two really important games because you got the Abs who are in your head who you can't seem to fucking beat no matter what. Which is like it's a statement game. And yeah, it's exactly. Opportunity. It's one of those games where it's like if you can beat the Avalanche in Colorado tonight, when they've been like your arch nemesis, like. Since the playoffs. They're like the new Anaheim all of a sudden. Yeah, seriously. Then if you can beat them while you're rolling, that's only going to give you more confidence. Yeah. You should be able, I don't want to look too far ahead, but if you get a win tonight, you can take that confidence into tomorrow night. Yeah. If you can beat the Avalanche tonight, who, again, like I said, can't seem to beat, and then beat a divisional opponent tomorrow in like a four-point game, that would be huge. Yeah. So we're 4-0 without Bill Peters. We're never going to lose again, man. And we've got... We've got points in five, five of the last yeah. games. So this is a good little run. Good little run. But we can't you can't stop here. You can't stop because you're still only like you're still only five, four, and one in your last ten. So. And I think we talked about this last year is like when you're in a run, you want to try and extend that as much as you can. And when you're in a slump, you want to reduce it as much as you can. So this is one of those things where it's like don't let the run wear out yet. Yeah, exactly. You Just, still need to I think you still you can still squeeze a few more games out of this like new coach, new lines, fresh yeah. kind of like vibe. So squeeze a few more games out of it. Yeah. And maybe on a closing thought, we touched on this is it's an interesting thing, right? Because you were saying how when you're in a slump, you guys like Monty and Johnny, you forget. And it's so true. And even when this team was in its the lowest point of the season, let's hope, in a six-game losing streak. So, like, people were fucking losing their shit. Dude, people were going crazy. Like, I mean, not that we weren't, but I think most people were like, you got to trade Goudreau or Monaghan. You have to. Well, I think we did a pretty decent job. We were hypercritical. Yeah. But not... But not, like, blow this whole team up. No, not, not to the extent of, like, doing irrational things exactly but i just wanted to make the point because i mean that's that's what's that's sports and you gotta again you gotta ride the emo like you get this you get the other type of people who are like now that they're playing good again who are like oh i told you i've always been a real fan it's like ride the emotions guys it's up and down hey when a team is frustrating to watch if you're gonna deny that frustration it means you can't go there which means you're not going to be able to experience the thrill on the other side as much. That's my theory anyways. That's a good theory. All right. So let's wrap it up there. Um, we'll probably be, we got, we might do a Toronto podcast. Is that the deal? Yeah. I think somebody wants to do like a, I don't know if he wants to do a podcast or something, but a guy from Toronto. So we might do a preview on Wednesday for the Leafs game. So. Essentially, is it one guy? Yeah, there's, I think so. There's one guy that kind of does the same thing we do for the Leafs. 
And we thought that, hey, it'd be kind of cool if we get on together. We talk Leafs and Flames coming up. If we can't make it work, we're still going to do a Toronto preview on Wednesday. So okay. Let's try and make it work for Wednesday. S- well, we're going to do a lot. We'll do lives this week, too. Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah. All right. See you, bitches. Bye.